Thank you for tuning in to the Critical Conversations podcast, brought to you by Mind the Frontline. Established in 2023 as a 501c3, Mind the Frontline is your ally in the journey to support those who selflessly safeguard our communities. Their core mission revolves around pioneering innovation and research, education, and overall well-being specifically tailored to healthcare, military, and public service frontline first responders. The Critical Conversation podcast is a dedicated space for police, fire, EMS, allied health workers, dispatchers, air medical, and military personnel, along with their families. Here, we dive into the heart of the matter, tackling essential topics such as mental health strategies, recovery methods, treatment options, the latest research, and professional development opportunities. Before we dive into today's episode on Critical Conversations, we do want to, however, acknowledge the nature of our discussions. Some of the content discussed may be triggering or intense as we explore the challenges and the triumphs within the first responder community. We recognize that these discussions may evoke strong emotions or memories. If you or someone you know is struggling and needs immediate support, we urge you to reach out to your agency's mental health resources or your local peer support group. In time of mental health crisis, you can always contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by phone or via text at 988 Please remember you are never alone and help is always available. At Mind the Frontline, we are more than just a podcast. We are a community committed to fostering resilience within the entire first responder family. So whether you're on the front lines or supporting those who are, we invite you to subscribe, engage, and be a part of this vital mission. To learn more, please visit us at www.mindthefrontline.org. Now let's dive into today's critical conversation. Welcome, heroes and advocates, to another episode of Critical Conversations by Mind the Front Line, the vodcast that stands at the forefront of first responder mental health, wellness, and recovery. I'm your host, Chris Matana, a former firefighter and flight paramedic and president of Mind the Front Line, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today on today's episode about discussing teaching mental health within the EMS education system. I love this topic. I am so, so excited. So, We do have an incredible episode lined up for you today, featuring a fellow first responder who also brings real life experience to our topic. And he's also an educator and leading the forefront of this kind of type of education with mental health and integrating it into our EMS system and EMS education. Our speaker today and guest speaker is Kyle Atkins. Kyle is a dedicated and versatile professional with a passion for education, healthcare, and leadership. His journey has taken him through the realms of the emergency medical services, academia, and the corporate world, allowing him to circu- accumulate the unique blend of experiences and expertise. Kyle currently serves as the president and founder and professor of emergency and critical care topics at the Phoenix Institute just outside of Gainesville, Georgia. He is a phenomenal educator. If you haven't checked him out, go check out the Phoenix Institute at www.myphoenix.org and just see what kind of programs they have available. But with that, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode and have some mindful discussions on some of the, you know, basically education and EMS and, and how we could be doing better about it. So welcome, Kyle. Thank you very much for joining us on the Critical Conversations podcast. 
Hey, Chris. Um, thanks. I am excited to be here today. Um, I think that, like you said um, in the intro, uh, this is something that's really important, uh, talking about mental health. Um, ultimately, um, I get a chance to do this uh, from the other side. Uh, I, get to, I was a paramedic and I'm still licensed paramedic. Uh, I did that for 10 years in the field. Um, had a lot of times where, uh, like many responders, I found myself uh, struggling with mental health, with mental health issues, um, and saw us losing a lot of people to mental health issues um, as we went through uh, over the years. Um, whenever I jumped into education in 2015, uh, one of the things that I said was like, hey, we've got to do something better about this. Um, so finally got my own program. Uh, in 2018. And one of the things that we started to do was we started to look and say, okay, I'm tired of losing providers to, uh, to, to mental health issues. What can we do about this? We've tried a lot of, in, a lot of things in the pre-hospital world. We tried a lot of things in, uh, just doing different things. Like we were talking before the show, like EAP, we started with some of that stuff, but we have real issues here with our providers that we need to really jump in and we need to hit on the forefront. And one of the things that came, I was just like, you know what, let's try this uh, new thing. So it essentially just started as a, I was tired of losing people. I was tired of losing uh, a provider to a year. I was tired of the mental health strain that I saw on our profession. So we integrated into our curriculum, um, a, uh, it's a student mental health uh, stress management plan. Um, and we start that off day one. We've done it on every program since 2018. I've had it in every single one. Um, and it really helps because what it does is it moves our focus from, we get we get kind of centered in on the, the hero mentality. The, we want to go save people. We want to do that. But if we don't save ourselves, we're, we're, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, we always tell people, see safety, your safety is first. But then whenever it comes to mental health, we're not teaching that. Um, I know in my no. paramedic program, in my initial ed, I never had any formal training. So it's been something that we have really, and, and I just personally want to see better for our, for our people. Um, and so we started doing this whole mental health thing and we started talking with, with our students and saying, Hey, it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to have those times where you go and you say, you know, this was a hard call for me. I need to get, I remember one of my first programs, I had a, a student and the student went through, I think they had a cardiac arrest, a DOA from an ejection, and they had two other really significant calls. And I pulled them off the clinical because I was like, you need to go home. You need to not be here. You need to take a little bit of time off. Um, so we started doing some of that. And that's just kind of how it's flourished. Um, last year, uh, we took at Phoenix, we kind of took the reins of instructor continuing education here in Georgia. Uh, and so we are, we do distributive education online. It's really cool. Um, we also serve like other states too, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, but we picked up this topic of mental health from an educator perspective, because I think a lot of times we want to talk about it. We want to say it, but sometimes we can get people that are on, on one side of the spectrum saying, Hey, you know, these are resources. That's how you do it. On the other side of the spectrum, we get the person talking about how they struggle with mental health. And that's not necessarily, it, it, neither of them are bad, but they're not really giving actionable items. Um, so we started like jumping. Just pitching the bitch, right. You know, instead right. of, yeah. you know, fixing the problem or, you know, cause, cause you're right. You know, I've noticed the trend of, you know, suicides have continued to, climb the rates have continued to climb drastically in first responders you know and, and i'm kind of the same kind of you know thought process of views you know 
we have awareness, right? Like 988, we have all these programs, International Association of Firefighters, Behavioral Health Alliance, um, EAP programs that we could talk about later. You know, we have all these resources, but yet you're still seeing the rates climb. You know, you're still seeing, and I'm still losing my fellow brothers and sisters. And it's such a struggle and, and why I love having discussions like this, because as we continue to have these discussions, you know, we're catching the people that are interested that hopefully will help continue to make change as modern leaders. And why not catch them when they're first coming in the door on day one as a student? And I mean, it's personal for me too, because in 2017, it was a rough year professionally for me. I was a new medic, moved to rural EMS from urban EMS, which is just a whole change in and of itself. But I ended up, I remember I was working because, you know, like we do, we have multiple jobs we have to provide and all that stuff. So I had, yeah. you know, had a couple of kids working on all that stuff. So I was working from one to another to another. So I was working, you know, three or four different jobs. And I remember... Um, in the span of three days, I lost a good friend. Uh, we, we lost someone to suicide and then had someone, um, I had like two really bad calls, uh, two close people that I knew personally, um, succumb to injuries that they experienced. And my first instinct was the next day I went to work and that's wrong. Right. That's, that's, right. that's absolutely. And. And I started to realize that there was something wrong. And so that kind of spurred on a lot of this stuff is that I was, I, I think a lot of times we, we do a really good job of saying, Hey, the resources are here. Hey, this is here, but we don't do a good job of equipping people at every stage, especially in uh, pre-hospital medicine, whenever we're going from one to another, um, you know, we had COVID COVID decimated us. Um, it was a mental strain on every one of us, regardless of if you're in, in the hospital, pre-hospital or even outside of it. I mean, I think that that's one of the big things. And what I found was that we've got to start talking about it in education because our educators, we're, we're educating differently now. Um, we're dealing with mental health issues. We're dealing with an economy that's not that great. And that's weighing hard on it. Um, a couple just things that I know is that most people that leave education programs, at least in the, the grand scheme, and it's worse in EMS is for mental health. And so it even goes beyond simply saying, well, we have a mental health problem. We need to talk about it. It goes into designing programs. It goes into designing educational programs. The, the time where we're going and we're saying, Hey, this is a, um, this this program is militant that's got to stop because it's hurting our culture and if we're breeding that in the classroom we're having that in the field and that's where we're having problems and that's what's contributing to this stuff uh, i i the field I, you hit a good point there you know i feel like you know the current tools and resources that we have designed around first responders and public safety are all reactive tools, meaning that once I hit crisis or I have a bad day or I, I've spent 20 years and, and things have now, you know, accumulatively added up to the point where I no longer can take them, then, then we will address the problem or provide the resource or, you know, it, there, there's no, you know, you don't go just run a marathon or go run, you know, a, a, a Ragnar race without practicing or preparing for it. So why aren't we preparing for this while we're starting our new clinicians out so that way when they get to the field, they're a little bit more resilient. So when they do have a bad day, 
yes, maybe those tools that we do have in place that are reactive actually can be a little bit more impactful versus, well, if they didn't know how to use the tools beforehand, they probably don't know how to use the tools while they're in crisis. I can, I can speak from my own personal experience on that one. Yeah, I think that um, the, the biggest thing that we've got to do, especially in education, because that's where we start, because I've, I've spent, I spent a lot of time in my career trying to change the opinion of the field. And as much as I love it, and as much as we saw some people that were really progressive and moving forward, there's this mentality that just kind of holds us back. And I said, you know what, we're going to do this in education, because now we can start educating people better. We can start teaching them so that one day when they become that chief, whenever they become it, they look back and they say, you know what, we need to focus on mental health more than just a, a luncheon or a CISM team response or something like that. Um, couple things that we do that I we do in education here is that um, we start in the syllabus. We start in the syllabus of talking about uh, the different options available. We, we, from us as instructors, we put ourselves through our own internal training on how to work with those mental health issues. Um, we make all of our instructors go wow. through some of that um, because ultimately we are the front line. We are the, the people for those students. We've got people coming in I know we've all seen it, but we've got guys coming in that have no idea what they're doing. They just wanted to to, to go on flashy lights and and, and yep. so, go sirens and uh, and then they uh, they, they want to go. Yep, I mean and it's and it's fun. Like I get it. Like I love it. Um, but like we also have to look and say. Uh, I know that I had a partner, and she her her big thing for mental health was not. The, the bad calls, the 911, the, 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 the gritty stuff we talk about. Hers was the, the, the 85 year old that we're taking home on hospice. That was her mental health piece. And I think yeah. that's important that we remember that EMS is a really broad term at this point. Um, but education wise, we start in the syllabus to use simple language. We don't say, okay, you have access to blah, 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 blah. We say, if you have health, if you need mental health problem, mental health, if you are suicidal, if you're homicidal, if you're any of that, come talk to us. We have resources. We've um, taken and we've uh, made connections to counselors um, in the area for our students. We also have to prioritize mental health. One of the things that I realized is that stress is huge, and we mm -hmm. put a lot of it on our students in 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 programs. And I remember one day I looked at at, at the course design because I design all of them and everything like that. And I had within like seventy two hours they had like six tests due, and I was like, you know what, we're done with that. We can't do that. And what we found is that helps resiliency with our with our students and it helps them kind of we give them time off um we have we're not trying to do this whole zero to hero in eight weeks thing anymore we're we're you're not trying to run in the ground i you know <laughs> I, I always had those you know i always had those questions though because like my program my paramet program was you know almost almost two years uh back mm -hmm. at the time in utah but when i moved down to arizona and they had programs that were heck i think tucson fires program was six months for paramet school and, and I, I remember the stress of that, you know, you're, you're working full time as a provider, you know, most of the time, at least for me, when I was going through paramedic school, you know, I'm working full time as a provider. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to study. I'm going to class Monday through Friday. You know, I got exams every Monday, you know, it's, it's extremely stressful. And at least in my, you know, paramedic academy is very kind of, you know, structured around that kind of paramilitary organization, organizational structure that we're so used to in our tradition. 
But, I, you know, it was very rigid. Like, if you messed up, you're out. There was no empathy. There was no compassion. It was just like, show up. You better pass. Otherwise, you know, we're not going to recommend you to test because we don't want you to drag down our numbers, you know. And, and I remember that. I mean, and that stress, like, as a student, it doesn't go away. It didn't go away when I got nope. to the field because now I'm a paramedic and, and now that's stressful as a new paramedic. And then you realize like, shoot, I got to go work another job just to, you know, make a mm -hmm. decent living. So now you, like you, you know, I was working up to three, two full-time and one part-time job at one point, you know, and, and that is stressful when you throw on life and kids. And so it's nice to see that you guys are providing your students with, you know, a more of an empathetic approach. Um, and the reason why I want to kind of zone and zero in on that is because obviously, you know, as, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you know, I, I see different industries. Like I, I've gone and taken a, a scrum course. I'm a scrum master. If you don't know what that is, you can go look it up. But basically I've learned how to overcome, you know, technology challenges and things like that, organization, project management and things like that. But I, I look outside of my industry to see what other industries out there that I can bring in to what I'm doing to make it better. I don't see a lot of modern leaders and, and it's nice and refreshing to hear someone like you who says, hey, we've got to change the way, our, the way we're doing things because yes, you will have these individuals that come in because yes, they want to they do the woo-woos and the flashy, flashy things and all that stuff. But here's the thing. A lot of them, especially the modern generation, like they understand what corporate culture is from an early stage. You know, they're understanding what is okay and what they will, will tolerate and more importantly, will not tolerate. And you're seeing other industries that have adapted to some of this stuff, technology being one of them, film producing, you know, all of that. But EMS and fire and public safety, man, we're still kind of, you know, dragging our feet, so to speak. Um, and these individuals are seeing that because they're coming in, they're being treated, uh, you know, in a manner that they don't agree with. They're, they're working long hours. They're not feeling fulfilled. They don't have a purpose. They don't have a, you know. And they leave quickly. They, they, they quickly find that out and move right on out the door. You know, so how are things like this, you know, impacting, you know, with your students? You know, how, how, how is it going through the pipeline? How are they like, uh, you know, having these programs uh, open and available to them? And what I success are you seeing? So I think that one of the big things that that stress management plan that we start with at the very beginning and we say, hey, write down and essentially it's it's a super simple thing. It's like consider what you do for stress right now and consider what your, your alternatives are. And we give them. We start on day one saying, number one, we, we prioritize their mental health and we say, look, if you're having a hard time, reach out to us. We will we will move heaven and earth for you. Well, we still have our, our standards that we have to meet, but we've, we've gotten away from that militant style program. I went to a, a more, I went to a fire academy for my, and it was a great group of guys, but it was still uh, like, and my thing was, is that my job was on the line. If I failed out, I was done. And I was yeah. like, and now, now I'm, I don't have a job, and then that kind of cascades down. Um, our students seem to really enjoy the fact that we focus on that 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 stress management to say, okay, what are we going to do? Because we put them into some stressful situations, but we really try to be be conscientious and we try to be kind. Um, I think that a lot of times, like I I saw this I at, a, at a at a former school, and it. it it, it shook me to the core, and whenever we started Phoenix, I was like, "No, this is not going to happen." But we had a we had a girl who came to school after her house burned to the ground, and she lost everything. And the director of the school, uh, she went to them and was like, "Why aren't you in uniform?" And she told him, and she goes, "Well, you can buy some scrubs for you know forty bucks." And I was like, "That's just 
we, we've got to be kinder than 40 that. bucks. It's like, yeah. can I get scrubs or can I feed myself for the week? Yep. You know, and, and it's I mean, funny because I, I, I remember my very first day at paramedic school. You know, I, I got my new textbooks. I, I got a new laptop for school. I got a nice briefcase, left all of this stuff in my car and I got robbed that night. They stole everything, all my textbooks, my brand new laptop, CDs, all of this. And I'm, so I showed up, but I didn't have anything. And I, I caught a lot of flack. You know, um, they, they almost sent me home because I didn't show up with the stuff I needed. And I said, here's the police report. This is why I'm late. Like, <laughs> but I can understand how that, that lady was feeling and how that student was. And so it's really nice to see how you guys were able to take that approach because I think at the same time, what you're doing is you're teaching them how to manage their own stress, right? And that's yes. okay. Yeah, and, and that I way, when that, they get like, out in the field and they start working really hard, and they're getting their, their, you know, they're getting punished. <laughs> I wouldn't say punished, <laughs> but you know, they're getting ground pounded. However, you want to look at it, yep. you know, whether yep. you're EMS or you're a new police recruit or a new physician, you know, going into residency, like that's stressful. And, and if I we don't that, like, teach these people how to deal with these stress early on, like, yeah, what are we going to do? So it's nice. I think, I think that that's the big thing is that teaching them and empowering them students to manage their own stress. I think that I a lot of that. times they don't get taught those things coming through a lot of things. They're taught, well, you're going to have stress and just deal with it. Just suck it up. Just, you know, put some dirt on the wound, I guess. And, you know, keep yeah, going. And I, <laughs> and, and I get it. But there's a time and a place, you know, it's like I see a lot of uh, culture. I'm active on, on TikTok. I'm active on, on those type of socials and everything. Um, and I in, interact with people all the time. And I see providers being like, man, that was a really hard day. I'm going through this. And I'm like, call out. Like, just, you know, call out. You you will be fine. I, I promise you. Like, in, in so much, we get this ingrained in us. And we even have changed our marketing because of it. Like, we, it was kind of called out to us, um, the whole, like, hero mentality and stuff like that. It's not what we're going for. We want to train you as a professional and as a provider. If you want to come here and you're excited and stuff like that about the, the, the lights and stuff, that's great. But we want to kind of take off that layer and take off that, that kind of persona of hero. And we want to say, no, you're a real person. You are personally important to us. We want to see you do better. We want to see you grow. We want to see you get out there. And I will say that all of the students that have come through, most of them are having a really good longevity. And I still get calls from them. I still get calls from them saying, hey, you That's know, great. this was really helpful. Like, I'm, I'm going through this. What do I do? And I'm like, okay, let's go back here. Let's go back to the basics. Like, you're going through a lot of stress. And I think a lot of times what we can do as instructors in anything and even in, in, in higher ed has started to get into this, like the colleges are starting to get in this and they're starting to say, Hey, we got to equip our faculty better. We got to teach them what to do because, um, when they're sometimes we're the ones that they're going to trust the most. They may not trust the, the, you know, they, they, you go in and you're the rookie and I felt it. I was the rookie for between a couple of different departments for about five years. And it was like, I can't go to my boss and say, Hey man, I'm struggling with mental health, you know, but these guys can. And so we, we opened up a resource whenever, um, we lost, uh, about a year ago, we lost a provider here in Georgia, uh, to a wrong way accident. Um, and every single time something like that happens, we put out to our entire PMS community here. Hey, here's my number. Call me. Like I, you're having a hard time, call me. We've got a couple of people that we use to kind of do those type of things. It's nothing formal or anything like that, but we just yeah. try to say, Hey, 
we're here to help you and we're here to cry with you. We're here to, to do that. And it's okay because I think a lot of times we forget that in, in, in our industry that we think that it's not, but then you look at these other industries and they're doing so much better than we are and they are. they've got better longevity. I mean, we're, we're, Pay is always because they issue. look at their people as human, right? I think you hit a really good right. point there, Kyle. Like you know, treating them as they're human because I, you know, like you when I, when I was a probie, like you're not you're compartmentalizing a lot of that because your family doesn't really understand yet, you don't understand yet, and you can't talk to anybody about it. So, what am I supposed to do? But you know, it seems like you guys have built in a mechanism as well that when they do move on or get out to the field, like they still have a mentor. And I think that's really important to think about educators and why we play such a huge role uh, in, in mental health and well-being for our students is we are the front line. You know, we mm -hmm. build that relationship. We build that safe space. And, and you guys have done that early on and said, hey, on day one, like, this is a safe space for you. We, we want you to be a human. We want you to you know, feel your emotions. And if, if they become overwhelming, we're going to help you navigate that because you might not have those tools or resources yet, but we do because we're trained and we've gone through some special, you know, you know, training to do that. And I think that's really important, man. That that's super commendable. It's, it's, I think that like the, the biggest thing that I found is that we've got to be we've got to be okay with asking about it and we've got to be okay on broaching the subject um about a year and a half ago um as i was mentioned before the show uh we we went after and we said you know what um we need to have more education in georgia on transgender patients i think that that's a that's a huge sub 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 subgroup of our population that's becoming more and more prevalent and we have a lot of uh, th there's a lot of feelings about that um amongst providers especially in 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 georgia and in, in some more rural areas and things like that and so we said you know what we need to be human we need to start doing this so we started doing that and now we've integrated the curriculum for our students and we uh work with our clinical partners um whenever they have rough calls we're constantly checking up on that we literally like when when we have students on clinicals and stuff we're not only are we constantly watching their uh their pcrs as they come in while they're on clinicals. so it's not something that we're waiting three or four days we're looking at it right then but we're also watching news media we're watching any news media any of that we've got like direct contact lines um, our clinical coordinator works works at one of our clinical sites to to and and we'll get a text message. Hey, this is going on. We integrated some Slack stuff so that we can have that constant back and forth. Um, but I think that like even in teaching our providers how to take care of their mental health, it helps them whenever they deal with mental health patients or patients that are having issues that are having that that sometimes just need you to talk to them with the transgender community teaching them and saying hey let's teach you just simply how to not ostracize them let's do that yeah. because ultimately i think that if we can create providers that are kind and caring that's better than any bit of knowing the scarbosa smith criteria or anything like that if you're not kind it doesn't matter what type of provider you are knowledge wise or the hero complex, right? And I love how you guys have really kind of, you know, you know, change your perspective on your advertising and how you draw people. And, and more importantly, like you're communicating the same message that you have in the school, right? To, you know, so that way, if I was someone that was applying to the program, you know, it, it, it just continues to add up. And that's kind of important because when you think about a lot of programs out there, um, you know, they don't have DI you know, uh, policies. Right. They don't think about that. They don't think about, you know, 
what's my student's stress level at or what, you know, what's going on externally in the environment? You know, was there a mass shooting in, in downtown Atlanta? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that where these all play in, uh, you know, into those effects and having that system and that robust system, you know, be a slack to get messages out and disseminate communication and make it a- available. It's sorely needed. It's a great example that you guys are setting. We had actually, um, talking about a mass shooting, we actually had an active shooter um, in the Atlanta area. Um, I was sitting here in my office. Um, I've got a, a, a TV that monitors news and stuff like that, and I saw it. Um, we had a student that lived in Atlanta. So the first thing I did was I grabbed on, I, on Slack, I sent him a message, hey man, shelter in place, are you okay? And that was all, I mean, and to be honest, like you don't have to do much. You just have to be aware. And I think that whenever we are more aware, we create better providers. Our, our goal here at Phoenix is to create competent and competent clinicians. But it's, it's more than just, do I know? We have, we have had people that have come through our program that we won't let graduate until they have some of that more emotional intelligence, until they understand how to treat a patient. I, I watched, and we have, candid conversations a lot of times with our students. We watched a student interaction and got some feedback on it. I pulled the student in and just said, hey, what's going on? Because that doesn't that doesn't match up to what I know about you. We also have to pay attention to the the other stressors around here. You know, you've got the financial stressors, job stressors, mm-hmm. the um they're I, I talked to someone today. They're coming into they they've they've been in the same career for 15, 20 years and they're getting ready to make a change. That's that's stressful. And it's also hard for a lot of programs to be able to manage that because we want people coming in fresh all in and, and we're going to put them in there. But now we've got some people that are coming in and that's kind of where we sit is we deal with people that are um, considered non-traditional students. So they either have um, a family, they've got a second career, another job, stuff like that. And they're trying to figure out and navigate. So we've even woven this in to our financial aid options and what we do. And we really, and we partner with some different programs to make it to where we are able to provide them with some of that security for that financing. But we are intentional about making it to where it's affordable when they get out. It is something that, that is, is at the very core of what we do because if we are going to take care of mental health patients and we're going to take care of people and we're going to put providers in there, if we're not taking, if we're not looking at them holistically in mental health, we're not doing a great job because I think that a lot of times we also have to know um, what resources that we have available and what we can and cannot do. I get to sit at the top of the organization. So the organization essentially does what I tell it to, uh, which is, (laughs) which is nice now, but not when you're, not when you're a booter. You're right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's so like, so like I, I'm, I get to say, Hey guys, you know what? We're going to prioritize mental health. Um, and I will tell you that we have conversations internally with faculty all the time. And we're like, Hey, what about this? What about this? What's going on with this? We had a student that was just going through some hard stuff. And we just kind of pulled them in for no other reason than just to say, hey, we see you and we know that and we want to help you through this. And if you can, you need anything, you reach out to me, you reach out to your instructor, you reach out to any of us. And we're going to drop anything so that we can take care of that. Um, because ultimately, man, that's amazing. If, if, if our organizations aren't looking holistically and really taking this, I, I'm not comfortable with the amount and the rate of suicides, I'm not comfortable with the amount and the rate of people that I've personally lost. I'm not 
comfortable with that. And I'm not comfortable in sending a student out that is just said, well, just, just deal with it. Um, you know, I have them, they, they'll, they'll message and they'll say, Hey, I had a, I had a rough call. I'll be like, all right, are you good? Do you want to come off the track? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. Awesome. Go home. Like, don't worry about it. If your people have a problem, tell them, call me and I will, I will have that conversation. Um, because I think that, I think that the other piece is we have to equip our educators on how to do this because they're the ones I know for me, um, I still talk to my paramedic educators, love the guys. Um, they are one of my clinical sites now. And so I get to talk to them and they have some of these conversations. Um, and we're really Phoenix. We, we again, we really believe in this stuff. We've got a conference coming up in March that we're actually doing a uh, round table uh, discussion on mental health so that we can give practical things. I think a lot of times we will give like, well, we'll do CSIM. We'll do this. No, we want to be really practical. We want to give you something and say, as, as a student, as an educator, as a provider, here's something you can do right this minute. Yep. Um, this is what you, you can know, take away. Like, like whether it's, whether it's, you're going to go and you're going to actually check up on your partners. Like I know that my partner, like I, I one of my partners, um, we have always supported her all the way through. She's gotten some really, st really, really tough stuff the last couple of years. And it's, sometimes it's just reaching out to them. You know, sometimes it's just saying, Hey, are you okay? And, and being honest enough with them. And sometimes it's sharing your own struggle. We talk about it. We talk about the struggles that we've had with mental health from, from the classroom, because I think it, it disarms because a lot of times they're like, well, I have to, I have, no, you don't No, You can it, literally it just say, Hey, I want to, I, I'm, I'm just having a day. I'm having a tough time. And that's where we give a lot of grace and you know our program might look different than other programs but i will say that um that we are trying to really keep our providers together and we're trying to keep them in the industry we've got hey that's an issue but i don't think that it's why people are leaving i think that it it could be part of it but it it really goes down to mental health people are leaving our industry in in droves they because are. they need better work work life balance they need that and if we're not teaching it in the classroom then, all of yeah that. yeah i mean i'll be honest like i i don't do much truck work anymore just because it was stressful and it and it, mm -hmm. it was something that um after 2017 i got off a truck for a year and a half i went and worked in pediatrics in an er which might not actually be the best option, but you know, um, I, I did find that I had when one thing I noticed in the hospital system, whenever we had a rough call come in, the first thing that they did was they pulled every one of us off the floor, put us in a debrief. And then the second thing they did, they said, are you okay? And if not, it's okay to go home. And I think that yeah. if we could adapt that, that mentality. Out. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times we just, we we're like, Oh, I, we, we have to be here. We have to no. we need to be, we need to be okay. I tell everybody you need to come home at the end of shift. That's the goal. Here's the thing, Kyle, like when you mentioned some of this, you had some really good points just in that just last, you know, that was awesome. I like the fact that you guys are a being proactive, right? You're not waiting for a problem to occur. You're actively looking for the problem, right? Because we know we don't share. Usually when someone, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll see some of the signs. Sometimes you'll see a lot of the signs, but oftentimes you see almost zero signs. And it's just because we didn't reach out or provide that safe space. You know, by you guys reaching out and being proactive, not only are you saying example, you're letting them know it's okay. It's okay to check in. It's okay to check out and go home. 
it's okay mm-hmm. to feel and be emotional, but you're also, you know, you're, we, sometimes we come into this field and as you kind of mentioned and alluded to, you know, I, when I, when I was 18, I, that's when I got and became an EMT and a firefighter. Do you think I had all those tools? I mean, there was tools that no fault of my parents at home, but they didn't give me those tools of resiliency on how to manage stress, things like that. And I didn't get those in, in my EMT program. I didn't get them with the fire department. I, I didn't get them for years. And I had to model my behavior after those before me, right? Mm-hmm. Which is put dirt on that wound, get back on that truck. Oh, you're feeling sad? You know, tough shit, you know, mm-hmm. pony up. But if we don't change that mentality, you're seeing that people are going to careers and professions where they feel valued, where they have a good life balance. They don't have to walk home and carry this bag of shit and stress with them every day. You know, they're really able to kind of open up and, and, and that's why these other industries are kind of flourishing and they've been able to be a little bit more resilient with things like the pandemic. Our problem, in my personal opinion, with the pandemic is we were already a lot of us at that breaking point. There's a reason why I got off the the aircraft and I don't work the front line anymore. It it just became too much. I can't handle that. Just not worth it. You know, and now we have the pandemic, which is I got to work longer hours, more stressful, more people are Mm -hmm. having sentinel events. Um, You know, I have to take more time to put on these clothes and debrief and, and you know, it just, it saturated everybody. And it was just like, that's it. I'm out. I'm going to go work at Home Depot. I'm going to go work at Xerox printing. I'm going to go, go figure out, I'm going to go own my own business. You know, they're going to go do something else because they're so, uh, uh, apt to just say, Hey, I, I don't want to go back there. It's so terrifying. It's so scary. It's so stressful. And they're scared. And those are the people that I actually kind of respect you, right? Because I, in my personal opinion, they got out before it got too bad and, and potentially kind of snowballed from there. You know, they kind of just identified and said, you know what? I, I don't need to deal with this. I, I can go exactly. work in a profession where, you know, I can make decent money and not have to deal with all of this stigma, this politics, this, attitude this this is the way we've always done it you know and just you know sorry we have really bad leaders in bad positions sometimes and that that also you know plays a fact of there's not going to be change coming and that's that's one of the things i look at right okay maybe it's hard right now but if, if we're working on getting it better cool i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with it i'm gonna become more resilient but if i don't see a way out of this and it's not getting better and it's just continuing to go down yeah, why would I want to? Why would I want to be a part of that chaos? I think that that's a that's a really really good point. Mel Robbins has a quote, and he said, "Your mental health is everything." Make time, like your life depends on it, because it does. And I think that that is a foundation of how we have to start talking about mental health. People are like, "Well, this generation is soft." Is it? No, this generation is is mentally taxed. This generation, the the group that we have coming through now, have different needs. It's different economic times. It's different uncertainty. It's a lot of uncertainty, um, and we're seeing this in the bigger picture. Almost seventy percent of of people that are in um, that above it. Uh, sorry, eighty eight percent of people on college campuses are seeing this go on. They're seeing that happen, and they're you know and 
we do a lot of prevention. If we think about it, fire, fire, you know, fire departments have done a great job of fire prevention. They go out, you know, target, they do all of this stuff. Why aren't we doing that with mental health? And that's where we kind of came along and we said, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of sitting around and watching nobody do something about this. So let's do it. And what's the harm in it? So you know what? What's the worst that's going to happen? One person, one person didn't kill themselves. Great. That, that, that paid for itself right there. Exactly. I mean, I think that that's the thing is that I, whenever I did a a lecture for about student mental health um, about a year ago, one of the things that I said, and I'll make the bold statement is that if you're not taking care of the mental health of your instructors, your professors, you're not taking care of those things, you're wrong, period. And, and nothing's going to change my mind on that. If we're not taking care of the mental health of our students, we are in the wrong. And just like we wouldn't tell somebody to to, to give the wrong medication, give the FB110 instead of the FB11 for an anaphylaxis, just like we wouldn't step in whenever we've got right mainstem or we've got a, a, a intubation into the esophagus, we've got to start saying, you know what? No, this is not okay that we're just pushing this under the rug because ultimately that's what is contributing to this. We, I watched a, a guy who was really fundamental in my, um, in my early time as a firefighter. He was my driver um, at the station that I worked at. Um, after I had left about a year later, uh, he was on some meds. Uh, he told his new wife he was gonna go outside uh, and he walked outside and he killed himself. And it, part of it was the meds, part of it was he was just, he had been injured, things like that. We, no one thought to check on him. No one thought to do any of that. He wasn't even, he wasn't, at the time, he wasn't even, even right in front line. But I will tell you that those things are still there. And if we can do that in education, and if we can start an education actually saying, you know what, you matter more than if you're going to take care of this patient, because if you, we can create emotionally stable individuals and emotional stable providers, I think that we'll start to see a change because like you said, um, we've kind of got this, you know, it's all good. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Go back in service, you know, do that stuff. That's fine. But also just doing a CISM debrief doesn't do it. Like we had a, uh, another thing, like well, I remember, have shown that 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 program just does not work. Yeah, you know, and it, I think it pretty that, much. <laughs> I, I, but that I was that, that was the like, fire department's like uh, a stab at trying to make you know fire prevention, right? You know, hey, let's have suicide mm-hmm. prevention if we if we all get together. The thing is, okay, while I applaud, um, you know, they were doing something, right? Something is better right. than nothing. But we've learned, we learned that hey, that was a good stepping stone. But we learned and we need to take that data and that research away from it and now apply it to what is happening today in our industry. Not what we happened 20 years ago when we started CISM, yeah. but what is, how has that adapted and changed to where current, you know, the current state of EMS or the current state of public safety or first responders are at? Like we, we have not been as reactive as I feel like we should have. And, and I like how you kind of put it before. If, you could either accept that we're going to continue to lose people and lose people and lose people and look around and go, Hey, is anybody going to do something about this? Cause that's, that's what I did. I was like, Hey, is, is someone going to do something about this? And then I went through my own Sentinel event and then I had to, I got to experience firsthand what it's like to go through the 
you know, the mental health system, you know, what it's like to be committed, what it's like to have a suicide attempt, what it's like to have these feelings and, and feel crushed and defeated and, and not have a support, you know, so much came to light that I was like, man, now I kind of understand why I understand why one of my friends took their life. I understand it. It doesn't mean I agree with it. And it's not my part to agree or disagree with it, but I know what it's like to feel those feelings, to feel like that individual did right before, you know, they ended their life. You know, I've been that close. And so I decided to say, hey, I'm not cool with this anymore. I now know that the system is freaking broken because I went through the system and it spit me out. And the only thing that allowed me to get to where I'm at is A, resiliency, and B, I had other friends, other colleagues that helped supported me, you know, and, and that's where coming in and we got to save ourselves. We got to save each other because for right now, there's no big magic pill or solution that's coming down the pipeline anytime soon. You know, we're very slow and very reactive discussions like these programs, like yours, you know, your leadership and, and what you guys are doing that helps set a precedence for other people to go, oh, yeah. Maybe we'll try it. And that's all and, it takes. Um, it's just planting a seed. The other thing that I like is I always say where when you work for a department that's good on mental health, you've got those things. Students don't. Um, I remember yeah. I was at uh, pretty sure it was it was either it was uh, a call from um, it was a birthday party or Mother's Day or something like that. I got a call from one of my students. They called me and they said yeah, I just pulled a kid out of a late teacher. It was an 11 year old. Um, and they were like, they were shook. And I talked to some other students and other programs around our area. And if they made that call, the response from the instructors would have been, nah. but what we did is we, 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 we gave them the time off. We gave them time off of school. We suspended, you know, their, um, we didn't, ding them for points on an, on an exam or anything like that. And we said, no, you need to take some time. And if you need more time, that's fine. And that, that person is flourishing today, but they knew in that moment that it is okay. Whenever, you know, we pulled them off the truck, we pulled them out, we pulled them back. And, and I think that when, when we're, when we're doing this, we have to be just that intentionality about it. I think that if we are, if we are really going to change our profession, we have to start an education. Education always precedes change in the field, regardless of what field it is. And I think that right. if we are giving the students that ability, it's not, it, it's creating just better people. It's creating, it's creating better providers. I've watched the mental health system and, and I'm, I'm, like you, I, I look at it and I go, I think that we're really doing some bad stuff here. I don't think yeah. that we're actually doing anything for mental health. I think we're making it worse. And the other thing that we really focus on with our students is their need for, for family support as they're going through this. We've got a lot of first generation. Um, I'm thankful to be um, second, third generation um, healthcare provider in my family. I'm thankful to have like whenever... Uh, I experienced my first uh, DOA on scene. Um, I remember crying in the back of the ambulance and I couldn't let my preceptor see because that was weakness. 
but I called my parents yeah. and I called my wife and I talked to them and my parents are, are healthcare providers. They've been healthcare providers for, for 35, 40 years. And so I was able to reach out to them, but I know some of these students coming into this, they've never, they don't, they don't have that family support. They don't have a support system. And to be honest, we are it in education. We are the, the, the educators. We're the ones that are going to be the ones that actually, you know, they'll come to, they'll talk to. There are things that, that students tell us that they won't tell their families because their families don't understand. I'm a, I'm a first generation grad student. It is, it can be difficult some days whenever we're going through the struggle. So I have a cohort that I'm a part of that I can share those struggles with just because people don't understand it. And whenever they don't understand, it leads to mental health issues. It leads to it leads to, to feelings of, of not being worthy. Whenever you have a, a call that goes sideways, not understanding why it went sideways produces, you know, it might not oh, have yeah. been your fault. That'll like, eat you alive. Uh, you know, I've been I, there. <laughs> I had one, I had one, it was a, it was a PE that let go, person died, it was a bad, it just, everything went wrong, could go wrong, and it messed me up, but I, I spent six, eight months until I really had someone lead me to the evidence and say, hey, it wasn't your fault, and, and, and I think that we have to have educators that are doing that, whether you're an educator in a program, you're an educator in, in a department, you're in uh, private EMS really doesn't have any support for the most part. And yeah. so we try, so we here at Phoenix, we try to fill that gap um, because it's important to us. It's important that we don't, we don't lose another person. And it's important that even if, even if the, the it, it, it's not a death, the mental strain and the mental toll that this job takes on you needs attention from our educators. And we don't need to just be silent because I think that, that's even worse than than us not doing any. You know, I, I think it's worse than us. Oh, us the, the just, silence kills. Trust me, yeah. the silence kills. But you you, you mentioned, you know, the, here's a good example for our, our viewers and listeners. You know, let's take this individual that had the you know that had that sentinel call pulled out. Mm -hmm. You know, a baby had to deal with that. Your program set them up for success by showing them empathy, showing them compassion, letting them know it's, hey, it's okay to process this and feel the emotions that you're feeling. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be vulnerable. And if you need time off, go take the time off and, and focus on yourself and provide yourself with that self-care and love yourself. Because too often times that we go through calls like you just mentioned, that, 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 that stays with me for 20 years. It doesn't go away, guys. It doesn't stop. It, it'll stay with you until finally it works itself out. But what you are doing by, by bringing this into education and by showing that student, well, guess what? You know, say that student hopefully defies the current statistics of EMTs and how long they stay in our, our industry, but they get to now show that to other people. And this is actually how we get change, right? Like it, yeah. it starts with modern leaders and how do you get modern leaders? Education. Because Absolutely. I'm sorry for the old salty dogs and the old generation who used to be me. I used to be one of those. But you can't teach us anything. Like, this is the way my mentor did it. This is the way I grew up in it. Like, I'm not going to change. What I've learned after 20 years and 20, 23 years almost now in public safety is that is the wrong mentality to have. And that is what is almost killed me. It almost killed me. And it has killed a lot of my friends. And I'm tired of it. So how do we fix this? You know, tell me, you know, when you, when you guys are looking at this mental health and, and EMS education and what you guys are providing in your program, what are you seeing in terms of like student success? 
how is that like applying to their actually being success? You know, because for the naysayers out there, because I know they're going to be out there. Uh, I'm watching you guys all. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, they're going to say, hey, you know, you know, being rigid, you know, passing tests, all this stuff. That is what equates to success. What you guys are doing is a little bit different. So I want to hear, you know, how is this impacted your student's success? So others, other directors, hopefully listening, other trained coordinators. And, and by the way, I would say that we are all educators. We are all mentors. You know, I could teach, I'm a, I'm a mentor teaching someone how to tie their shoe. Okay. You could always teach something. Um, me, when I went through my education program, I was 18 years old. When I got there, I did not have the tools. Okay. Didn't have them. They didn't exist and nor did they exist afterwards. What I think you guys are also able to do here is those individuals who are like me that didn't have those tools. Maybe they didn't have a good upbringing. Maybe they just didn't have parents that could teach them some of these resiliency tools, how to cope with stress, any of that. Now they get to your program. If we don't help these individuals and at least give them the tools and show them some of this stuff, they're going to continue on in their career. And, and, and more than likely, statistics will say that they're not going to have a very fruitful career. They're going to struggle mentally and emotionally and with a lot of things versus, hey, you didn't get the tools. We're going to catch these individuals before they get any further. Like you mentioned, we're going to hold people back until they can grow some emotional intelligence. Holy shit. I've never heard a program director say that. So these are just examples that I want other people to really kind of you know key in on because they're important. They really are important for the change and, and change happens slowly, not, you know, over time, but we got to start somewhere. So for those program directors out there that said, okay, well, by doing it your way and, and, and being all lovey dovey and emotion, cause that's the shit that comes out in the stigma. I get it. Okay, guys, I get it. But when we, when you, okay, so I'm going to rephrase my, my question. When you treat your students as a human and give them the tools to navigate life, what kind of success is your program seeing? We're seeing that students are walking away where they are more empowered. Uh, we're seeing them actually defy statistics. Um, we're seeing a longer longevity. Uh, so I'm seeing them last three, four, five years instead of the, the, the two here in Georgia that we're usually used to seeing. Um, I'm seeing them become leaders within their own departments, um, which is huge. Um, I'm seeing that them awesome. do that. Um, I'm seeing, and, and I'll be honest, like our pass rate is, is pretty decent on registry, but we have, we have drawn a line in the sand and said, the numbers don't matter. People do. And it doesn't matter if we're going to be, um, sitting here and we're going to be saying, Hey, you know, we want to create good clinicians. And I, I'll be honest, almost all the ones that have come through and have successfully graduated the program, they're still in, in, in today. Um, that's so awesome. To, I mean, that, that, to, that's, that's numbers, yeah. right? That, like that, that right. shows that what you were doing, it works because I can tell you that if I look at some other program numbers on average, the average program, almost 50% of their graduating class will be gone in less than five years. 50 yep, percent that is a huge number of people if you're not getting that number that is something to be really aware of and so mm -hmm. you're also i would say um you know to the chiefs the directors the the high level senior leadership out there think about your retention rates the yeah. turnover rates you know if yeah. you had stability in your personnel where they weren't constantly turnover there wasn't constant change which it will cause your agency stress just like it does your your employees 
you know, what is that value? And, and why should we not be throwing more and more resources behind that? And I think that it's, it's a, it, for those out there that are in that leadership position, we've got to start thinking differently about mental health than the, the programs, than that. We've got to start being personal. We need to start looking at the fundamental way that your organization is set up, whether it's education, whether it's a department, whatever. You know, do you have it to where if someone, you know, doesn't show up two times in a row because they were having a mental health day or they call out late or something like that, they get penalized for that. That's not positive. That that contributes to mental health. We want to see we we look at it and we say, you know, and, and I'll be honest, there's there's still frustrations and there's still going to be frustrations. You are going to get frustrated because there are some people that are going to take advantage of the system. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's about mental health. And if we're about that first, as opposed to what our numbers look like, and um, we start to see people hanging out a lot longer. We start to see uh, the stress go away. We start to see, hey, you know, we're actually caring. And even when people leave, they start saying, you know what, that group cared about us. Um, we get to have the ear of a lot of instructors here at Phoenix. And one of the things that we constantly get feedback for, because we do we do post follow-ups on every single webinar we do, whenever we did this one, one of the things that was a overwhelming, resounding sound from them was simply them saying, you know what, I'm glad someone's talking about this because we're not, and I'm going to go talk to my director about this. I'm going to go talk to them because I, I, I went through a program that, that, that cared and was compassionate. It was militant of a bit, but they cared and that was kind. But I know another pro couple programs around us, they're just, they're slave drivers. And we've got to stop that because ultimately we see high failout rates. We see high exiting the program people say you know what if i'm going to put up with this shit for 18 bucks an hour i'll go work at amazon and i'll get better yeah. benefits i'll get oh you know yeah i'm going to work like a dog but you know what i don't have to worry at about least i'll get paid stuff. for it at least exactly. i'll get paid for my work you know and then that's that's it that's it at the end of the day you're also looking at other agencies looking at you know and and that's how you inspire change right by having the conversations by having these presentations by doing these webinars because just like when i was teaching critical care education now, a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. And yes. so if they haven't been previously exposed to a new way of doing things, a new perspective, all they know is what they, they've been around, you know, but I love how your program, you, you, you said something very profound. You don't chase the national registry numbers. A lot of agencies do that, right? Because that ties directly with some of the reimbursement and all, all this other stuff. The number that you guys are tracking is you know, successful placement and longevity and, and Hey, do they like their job and do they feel valued and supported? And man, wow. Why are we, we tracking those numbers? Why, why, why is it like, Oh, I, I got to take a test that is already stressful and is a pass fail, but we're grading everything. The success of the, pro, the success of the program, who the instructors are, the caliber, everything off of these perfect numbers over here, which I'm sorry, guys, I've been in critical care education for a while now, taught to a lot of high level exams. You can teach a monkey to pass an FPC test. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, you can. What I cannot teach a monkey is how to compassionately care for my patient, how yes. to take care of themselves after a tough call, how to put themselves first before others. BSI is my scene safe. Yeah, I'm safe. I want to make sure I do that every morning when I go to clock in and come on shift. And, you know, if we're not 
providing this type of education and we're not facilitating these type of uh, educators, more importantly, that can then now trickle it down to the new ones coming in through the door, we're going to be chasing our tails here for another 10 years. So I love we, uh, how innovative people like you and your program over at Phoenix Institute are taking the reins and saying, hey, I don't accept this. So I'm choosing to change this and make a difference. Right, wrong, or indifferent, you're doing something. You're doing action, which is a lot more than the lip service I'm seeing from a lot of the industry. We, um, one of the other big things that we did, the whole like stress of those exams, like 70%. Um, we did away with that. Uh, we actually just completed a research project. Uh, we, we do a couple things. Uh, we did an actual internal research project. Uh, we're getting ready to publish our study and, and our results and everything like that. And they were really positive. Um, but we did a study of a, a randomized controlled open and closed book exam. And what we found is that there was no statistical significant difference between an open and closed book. So guess what? All of our exams are open book. The other part we do not have a minimum passing score on exams. We, we put everything together. They have it in a class. They have to make a 70% in the class. And we integrate other material into that. Number one, it takes away that anxiety. Number two, it promotes learning. Number three, it makes it so that we're not chasing those numbers. And since uh, the first of this year, um, we have an 89% first-time pass rate on registry. Um, I mean, the numbers are there, guys. The, 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 the numbers are there. And... All it took was us saying, you know what? We see how everyone else has done it. It's not working. It's not creating what Let's we want to see. New. So, you know what? Why Why not? You know what? And if at the end of the day, someone comes to me and they're like, well, we don't like how you do it. That's cool. You can do it the way you're doing it. I'm going to do it the way I'm doing it. And you know what? At the end of the day, I know that we have created competent professionals in more ways than if they can just give uh, give a medication or, or, or do something like that. Because we care enough to put that investment into our students, to put that investment into our faculty, put that investment in, and even write it into the very core of who we are so that when that comes around, and this is not something you have to ask permission for. Like this is not something you can just do it. Like you can just say, you know what? I'm going to start talking about mental health in my in in, in my program. I'm going to start. That's all it sharing. takes. I mean, like like that's, that's all that's it, it takes. It's just sharing your own story and you being your own advocate. It does not take much other than just energy and vulnerability, you know, but yes. you're right. It, it doesn't it doesn't take any money. It, it literally just takes someone in an organization saying, hey, I don't like this. I'm going to yep. speak up and be an advocate for it, you know, and why not? Because. By not doing it, well, my brothers are dying. My sisters are dying. By doing it, I don't know. Maybe I have the opportunity to make a change and make a difference. And hopefully they have an organization that supports them and provides them with the tools and resources, which brings me to like, you know, what what do you view your educators as? You know, what what is their role in student mental health? You know, how, um, you know, how, a, how are they yeah. involved? I think that's a really good, you know, kind of sh- let's give some people practical, you know, walk away tips here from the show. You know, hey, what how do you guys envision your educators and their role and what is their role in, in mental health and EMS education? Obviously, that we, we hire people to be educators and basically regurgitate information and knowledge. Right. OK, I won't sell myself mm-hmm. that short. But I can also tell you, you know, if I'm teaching people, hey, if, if you get this yellow, the, the answer is be blue. 
that that sets them up short term to hit those numbers, those perfect numbers. What it does not do is set this person up for a twenty year career in public safety. It does nothing Absolutely. for that. I so think how how are your educators taking that and, and changing that and bringing that dynamic to the classroom? They are they are the key to this, um, and that's why we put in you know like our conversations about mental health, our conversations about you know give them slack on this. And I will tell you, I've got some amazing amazing guys that work for us um a lot of things some of it is course design some of it is they coming to me and saying hey kyle i think that this is overtaxing our students and then the other part of it is that they go to them and they actively are talking to them about their mental health they're actively saying hey how are you doing and then they're approaching them outside of class they're 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 available we we make it to where pretty much that they can reach out for anything it's something that we say all the time in class it's like look if you've got something going on let us know if you've got an issue going on let us know if um if we see someone that fails a test the first thing that we do is we go to them and we say hey what's going on are you are you struggling is that what the problem is because sometimes they just they don't know how to ask and we want to pull that out of them um that support outside the classroom and really creating a community is really, really important. Um, because if we can understand and we start tracking, we look at all of our students holistically and we say, okay, this is kind of how they act and stuff like that. If we notice a, a big shift, we call them in and we say, hey, what's going on? And it's not threatening. It's not like a, like a hey, come sit down and talk to us. You have to come to the boss and you're coming to this. It's, hey. No, you got to pull yeah, you got a right. pulse I mean, on your program. You got a pulse <laughs> on your community, and you're like, "Hey, my pulse is off." You know, just like I would take a regular pulse. I know it's regular. I know it's irregular, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, hopefully you do if you're an EMS, <laughs> you're <Hopefully>. a practicing <laughs> clinician. But you know, I, you know, hey, I can feel a threat. Oh, it's thready. Okay, or it's palpable. Or hey, mm-hmm. it's it's really bounding. Or hey, it's irregular. You know, uh, those little things are being astute to you know micro changes, and that's cool yeah. that you guys have this community where you have this expectation and you guys have voiced it. You have created a safe space. People know that they can approach you. Everybody is approachable. You know, we can, we can share, we can talk, we can ask questions. Um, by creating that community space, what you've done is, is also allowed yourself to know like when it's off, because when you have something that's just jiving and all of a sudden you, it's like when I come into work sometimes, you know, and you know, the mood's off. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. yep. what happened? Who died yep, or I hate to say that, that that's kind of a pun there, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's what happened, you know, what's going on. And I love how you, your guys are able to, you know, that you promote that you promote that awareness, not only in your instructors, but yourself to say, Hey, we're going to be astute. We're going to be observant and we're going to react. Uh, and we're going to be proactive at the same time. Right. Versus, mm-hmm. Hey, okay. I can tell that Jimmy's having a bad day, but. I'm just not going to deal with Jimmy. I'm going to deal with everybody else in the class versus, oh, Jimmy's having a bad day. When I get a moment, I'm going to pull Jimmy aside and just be like, hey, brother, you know, um, what's going on? You seem like you're just having a really, you know, you're struggling today. And, and, and you know, if there's anything I can do exactly, to help, let me know. That's exactly what we do. I mean, a couple of things that we look for. We look for students missing assignments, getting assignments later than they normally do. Uh, we take a lot of data, a lot of analytics, and we use a lot of that to help our faculty be informed. If they're withdrawing from discussions, if we have a student that is just falling over or sleeping or or seems to be really, really tired in class, we'll pull them aside and just say, hey, what's up? And and we give them that safe space to 
say, you know, I was up all night with my kid crying. I was up all night with this. Hey, you know, uh, my my husband is filing for a divorce. Like, you know, I just found out that my my grandma has this going on and stuff like that. Um, you know, if they're if they just don't show up, like we've had a couple students that just didn't show up and didn't tell us. And so as soon as I saw him next, I was like, hey, what's up? Like, and I'm not saying it because like, I, I don't, I, at this point, I don't care about your absence. I don't care about that. What I care about is, are you okay? And I think that that's what concerned. we have to be asking. You know, if they, if, if there are those A students and you see them start dropping and we've watched it, we will pull those students in and say, what's going on? And they'll be like, well, I'm just, I'm, you know, it's just tough. And I'm like, no, no, no. What else is going on? And they're like, well you know, this happened to me this week, or, you know, this has been really stressful, or, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make my bills, or I don't know. And, and so sometimes they come to me and I'm, I'm, I'll move heaven and earth for them because I want to see them be okay. Now we have to, you know, sometimes you're going to have people that abuse it, but you know what, what's the, what's the deal? You, when you identify that, you have a conversation and that, you work that, through That'll it. work itself out, honestly. Exactly. You know, that'll definitely exactly. work itself out. And so I don't think you use that as a detractor or a fear to no. kind of start a program like this. I also would say that, you know, I know when I was, you know, early on as a paramedic and, you know, kind of getting, you know, your bells curve, you know, I know everything kind of stuff, you know, I, I think we forget as educators that we, we also have and are going to experience some of these things that our students do. And we got to be empathetic and realize like that could be us. We, we, you know how that felt when, you know, you had a rough day. I I know what it was like to work a job, come home, have to watch a kid that was difficult or crying or teething or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And then have to go do a class or go back to work the next day. Like I understand that stress and what that does to someone, but I will tell you that early on in my education career, I, I did not uh, bring that into my classroom as much as I wanted to, or I should have. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is where, man, I can look back and go, man, I did a lot of things wrong, and I'm, and guess what? Yeah. This is my opportunity to hopefully do some things right. You know, but I it's have, okay I because I know that I, you, you we, we make mistakes. It's it's human. Mm-hmm. It's it's how we identify those. And, and now make it not a habit and make change positive and, you know, reflective change. I have, um, four kids at home. I have, uh, two autistic and, uh, and they're verbal autistic. Yeah. Um, life is really stressful. And so like we focus in on, like we focus in on, on that, but we have to take care of our own selves. There are days where I just, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to come into the campus today. And yeah, I don't want to go to class. I don't want to deal with the student. <laughs> and, and I think that, and I think that sometimes, and then in, in, you know, in my instructors, they'll have a day where, where they're just off or, you know, one of my instructors had to have a stint place uh, fairly quickly, you know, a couple, and, and I would just step up and grab it. Or like I had something going on and uh one of the other instructors like hey i'll take that from you hey don't worry about this hey you know if, if you talk to any of my guys they'll say that uh the biggest thing that they have to do is get me to to, to release some of that stuff just because of who i am but they absolutely they're active in it um they reach out our clinical coordinator gosh she follows up with everything on our students and she's she's encouraging we always say that we want to encourage our students and we want to encourage other people. And anytime someone comes in, that's what we're trying to do. Anything that we're putting out, we want to be encouraging and we want to, because I think that at the end of the day, you got to do something. And that's really the biggest thing. You've got to stop sitting here and say, you know what? We're going to let someone else figure this out. 
and say, no, I'm going to take ownership. And then I'm going to, and, and I'm going to say, you know what? I want to try doing this. And a lot of times it's a lot easier than you think. In 2021, on the heels of COVID, we started a college. Um, it's a weird thing to say, but myself and a bunch of others, we got together and said, you know what? We don't like how education's going. We're going to do our own thing. And someone yeah. goes, wait, you started a college? Yeah. No. I mean, it, 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 it took, it took a couple Pretty of years. Ambitious. I decided to start my own <laughs> online training company, but you went after, like, you went full send. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, and I think that, like, I think that, like, sometimes I, I just look back and I'm like, you know, we just saw an issue and we said, we're not okay and we want to see we want to see something different and our reach is going much farther than we ever thought that it would um and it's funny how when you do the right thing for the right reasons what actually happens and the ripples that it causes and the following you then kind of pick up that you never thought you would have absolutely absolutely i think that it's it's definitely one of those things that we are we are an experience of we tried something and it worked and by prioritizing our mental health of our students of our staff and our faculty what we're finding is that we have a much better environment we've got a lot more people that like us um we're 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 something a better environment for both students and the employees the educators right so it's both of yeah. them it's not yeah. just one or the other it's a great environment for everybody involved yeah and I mean, and, and we don't get it right all the time, but you know what? Uh, I, I joke with our guys that I say, well, 84% is the amount that, uh, of questions you got it wrong on the card courses. So we're going to go for 84%. If we're doing that, then we're doing good. Um, and, uh, and I, and I, <laughs> I'd say that we're, we're, we're standard, probably, I guess. we're, we're probably, uh, we're probably doing a, a, a decent job there. And I think that that's the, that's really the, the, the piece of it is that you got to stop sitting here and saying, we're going to let someone else deal with it. Because I'll tell you this, they're not going to, and they're not going to do it fast. And they're going to continue to to do the same stuff over and over again. But we can really um, take that. I got a chance to go to uh, a conference a couple months ago. I got to help chance out, uh, help out um, and one of my really good friends um, at a conference. And it was a, it was a, the, the organization called AVAP and AVAP um, is you analysis professionals in healthcare. Um, I saw one of the coolest groups of people encouraging one another, doing all this stuff. And what I said is, you know what? I want that. I want that in EMS. And so we've just yeah. made adjustments. We've started saying, okay, how can we, you know, they were like, someone would pass something and you see everybody, you see it on LinkedIn, you see it on all the socials, everyone is congratulating themselves. What would it look like if our agency and our industry did that whenever it came to mental health and whenever it came to doing that? And they, they, they just did it. And that was the cool part. That's all you so, need to do is just do it. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you just from my own personal experience as an entrepreneur, fear will get in your way. Action action will move mountains, you know? So, you know, Kyle, real quick, you know, as we kind of close out today's show, I love all the insight that you provided. I really, really excited. Now I want to come actually sit in your program and meet some of your staff because it sounds like a really cool organization and I love organizational culture. So I love what you guys are doing, but what are, um, what are three tips or three just suggestions that maybe you could leave our viewers, listeners, and any you know EMS training officers, educators, you know directors out there that are listening to this episode. Hopefully, you know what are some three things that they can do today? Because that's what you said. We, we can do stuff right now. 
what are the three things that you think, you know, hey, if you guys just did these three things starting when you go to class on Monday, you know, that would start moving and making a difference. What would those three things be for you? I think that the first one is to be vulnerable uh, with with the people that you and the people that you're over. I think that be vulnerable, say, look, you know what? You don't have to do much, but I think that being vulnerable is big. I think the, the, the second thing is asking, but not asking just to ask. We ask people, hey, how's your day going? Good. Okay. No, we want to get more. We want to get deeper than that. We want to say, how are you really doing? You know, how is this stuff with the economy affecting you? How is this stuff that we're seeing in, 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 in politics affecting you? Is it causing that extra stress? And then start to start, really start a conversation and say, what are we doing that is negatively impacting our mental health? But don't talk about it in your office. Talk about it with the people that actually matter. Because I can tell you, if you're making you know two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, and you're sitting in your office, and you get to go home nine to five, and that's all you're doing, you are not going to be able to connect, and you're going to say, ah, everything's good. But you know what? Your guy who's on a you know his 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 fifth forty eight in a row, who's got you know a new baby at home, who was able to take you know a week off for that, like start looking at that and ask them and say, what can we do to support you? Because I think that that's what we did as we said, you know, what can we do to support our students? And I think that if you move that, that centric from well, what best benefits me to what best benefits you, I think that that mm-hmm. is really where we start to make change. I think that that's probably the most practical that we can give it. And then just listen, you know, a lot of times we go into these situations and we start saying, we start saying, you know what, this is, this is, is great. But what I hope is that people watch this, listen to this, and they're inspired to say, you know what, let's listen to the people that it really affects. And if we can do that, we can start to really move that needle and we can start to do a better, better job taking care of mental health in our industry. Man, I love it. So profound, you know, and so excited and enthusiastic to meet someone that is just kind of leading the, the way and saying, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm just going to do. I'm going to start bulldozing new ways. And yeah, if we make mistakes, we're going to do an 84%. Hey, B work is better than no work, people. So get started. And I love how you kind of just gave those just quick, easy ways that we can think about this and being vulnerable, at least in my um, opinion, I share the same. That should be number one. Uh, Being vulnerable to your staff, being vulnerable to your employees, being vulnerable to your students. So, you know, when you have that bad day too, and you check out, let them know, like, Hey guys, I just, I just, you know, I checked out on Sunday because I just need to take care of myself and, and do some self care. And, and that just promotes, you know, just more awareness and, and really kind of just sets the tone. So I love it, Kyle. Thank you so much. I just want to say again, how much I appreciate your time, your energy and what you guys are doing over at the Phoenix Institute, trying to really incorporate EMS education into EMS, you know, and, and, and it should be, I think it absolutely is one of the many things we probably need to be doing to start uh, course correcting, because I don't feel like some of the things that we are doing are, are uh, bringing good to our industry. You know, we talk about, uh, at least on my side, you know, we talk about do no harm, do no mm-hmm. harm. Um, I, I think we're doing some harm. I'm thinking we yeah. are definitely doing harm because I know we're doing harm. It's just nobody's doing anything. So I applaud you guys for doing it, taking action, and really trying to set a precedence within the training EMS education space. So uh, my applause and my hats go off to you and your team. I appreciate it. And, and I mean, and having 
opportunity to come on here and to share it with with everyone is is huge for us. Um, it's something that uh, I think that we we've got to start saying that there's a problem. We wouldn't look at a STEMI and say, let's go to the Band-Aid box. Like, I mean, you know, this is... Yeah, this is STEMI. This oh, just go down to your urgent care. You'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, 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 we've got to do something. And I think that, and I think that the more people, if we have one or two or three extra educators that are doing this stuff, like that is one of the things that we can start to move that needle. If you're doing it in your department, it, it, and like you said, we're all educators. You don't have to wait for someone like me to come along and say, Hey, we're going to start doing something different. You have to say, you know what? I see a, I see a need and this is what we're going to do. And you know what? If it works, great. If it doesn't work, you just have to make some course corrections and it's not adapt. That- I mean, it, yeah, it, adapt, it, there, <laughs> keep there's, going. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no downside. There really is no downside to really focusing on mental health and actually being a human being that cares. I love it. Well, you guys heard it, you know, check Kyle out, check out the Phoenix Institute. If you're looking for an EMS program that really kind of uh, is leading the forefront of EMS education, incorporating mental health into its training and education curriculum, and just really promoting really good educators. You know, if you're an educator and you're listening to this episode, I would holistically implore you to try to take at least one insight that you got from today and incorporate it in your next class. Because as an educator myself, I can only imagine how many ripples I've had throughout my career from all the students that I've touched. And that's all that matters. You know, you touch one student and it's a force multiplier. So... As we wrap up another enlightening episode of Critical Conversations by Mind the Front Line, we want to extend a heartfelt thank you to Kyle for sharing just what his program is doing and how they are tackling the problem of EMS uh, and, and mental health in EMS by incorporating in their education. And if you found today's discussion enlightening and you want to stay connected with our ongoing mission, please be sure to subscribe to our Critical Conversations podcast by clicking the link below or above or on your app. Um, we're on Spotify podcast, uh, Apple, YouTube. You can always find more resources and more episodes like this on the www.mindthefrontline.org website. We have a ton of resources on there, blogs, podcasts. We have our Mind Shield uh, debrief hotline coming live January uh, 2024. And just know that your subscription ensures that you never miss an episode. And it's a powerful way to show your commitment to fostering resilience within the entire first responder community. So to our dedicated listeners, thank you for joining us on this critical journey. Your support makes the impact of these conversations resonate even further than you can ever, ever imagine. Um, please let us know your thoughts uh, for future episodes, topics that you want to hear more of, or just this episode by just leaving your review or a comment down below. Together, let's continue these critical conversations and build a stronger, more resilient first responder family. Thank you for being a part of the Critical Conversations podcast by Mind the Frontline. Until next time, take care, stay strong, and mind the frontline. To our dedicated listeners, thank you again for joining us on this critical journey. Remember, the Critical Conversations podcast is a steadfast resource for police, fire, EMS, allied healthcare workers, dispatchers, air medical and military personnel, along with their families. Your support makes the impact of these conversations resonate even further. If you found today's discussion enlightening and want to stay connected with our ongoing mission, please be sure to subscribe to the Critical Conversations podcast. You can find us via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and the Mind the Frontline website. 
Your subscription ensures that you will never miss an episode and it's a powerful way to show your commitment to fostering resilience within the entire first responder community. For more information and additional resources, visit our website at www.mindthefrontline.org. Together, let's continue these critical conversations and build a stronger, more resilient first responder family. We thank you for being a part of the Critical Conversations podcast. Until next time, take care, stay strong, and mind the front line.